Our gospel lesson for today, the fifth Sunday of Easter, comes from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our risen Lord and Savior be yours now and forever. Amen. Over the course of my training for pastoral ministry, I've had several different people who served in the role of mentors. I've actually had a lot of different types of mentors over the years in different settings and different contexts, but I can really think of a couple in particular when I think about my, my pastoral development. And one in particular was my supervising pastor, a guy named Pastor Joel, during my year of internship that I served up in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Now, when I served my year of internship, I was not quite done with my seminary education. I had one year of classwork left. But as I went through that time and learned and gained experience, Pastor Joel and I sat down one day towards the end of my year to talk about my hopes for the future, my expectations, what I saw myself doing in terms of ministry. Now, since I had a lot of experience in larger congregations, my expectation was that I would be an associate pastor working with a senior pastor, continuing to learn. And I shared that with my supervisor, with my, my mentor. And he looked at me and he kind of smiled and he said, no, Scott, you probably should go be in a smaller church, be a solo pastor, operate without a net. And my first thought was, well, that's easy for you to say. You've got all this experience. You know what you're doing. I'm still learning. If you know my history, of course, that's exactly what ended up happening. After my final year of classwork, I ended up here in Underwood where I'm a solo pastor operating without a net. I am the pastor. And it's been a wonderful experience for me to grow into the role. But let me tell you, at that point, I didn't like it. At that point, I thought, easy for you to say. It was troublesome to even consider. Now that's where I start to connect into our gospel for today because that's where things really start up. When Jesus utters these words to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. If you know the setting of this passage, it's actually set in John's version of the Last Supper. 
Now, the Last Supper is, of course, the last time that Jesus spends with his disciples prior to his betrayal and his arrest and his persecution and his torture and his death on the cross. And here in John, it's a long portion. The other Gospels, they're shorter, and we hear about the institution of of Holy Communion. Here, it's a little different, though. Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. He shows them an example of servant leadership, servant love, tells them that they should do this for one another, and then begins this long period of teaching. And throughout the course of it, we hear of various interactions that Jesus has with some of the different disciples. We hear about interaction with Peter, and we also hear within this portion about Thomas and Philip. Now, I love this whole situation and this long period of time that Jesus spends assuring the disciples about what's to come and giving them these promises that they will not be left alone. But think about the whole situation. Throughout the course of the time that they have spent with Jesus, they've followed him. He's been their rabbi. He's been their leader. He's been their their master. He's been the literal word made flesh among them, the embodiment of God. And they've seen that over and over again. They've heard the teachings. They've seen the miraculous signs. They've experienced all of this. And throughout this entire time, Jesus continues to tell them off and on, hey guys, you know, this is going to come to a close. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be betrayed. I will rise again, but this is going to happen. And it seems to me over and over again, whenever we experience that particular thing from Jesus, that that's where the disciples get hung up. They can't seem to see past that. Even though Jesus continues to assure them, I will rise again, this is not the end, they get stuck on, I'm going to die. It's troublesome to them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Well, this is exactly what's about to happen. And Jesus has told them that in the setting of this meal that they've shared together. And they begin to react. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that Peter is one who who pipes up. We hear Peter when Jesus is talking about, I will be killed. Jesus says, I will go with you even till death. And Jesus says, no, Peter, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. Peter's story, Jesus comes back post-resurrection and three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus doesn't leave Peter in that Well, then, as we get into the passage that we've shared for today, this continual continual ongoing thing, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is about to happen, but it's not the end. And then these other two disciples pop up. Now, I thought a lot about that and what we hear from them. The questions that they ask, the statements that they make, the the hang-ups they seem to have. The first one we have is Thomas. Lord, you say you're going to the Father we don't know the way. And then Jesus responds, I am the way. You know me, you know, then you are ready. You are prepared. This is what you need. You need only me. I am the way. Now, Thomas seems to be confused. He wants more information. He wants to better wrap his head around the experience. And think of where else we hear about Thomas. We hear about Thomas and we know him as doubting Thomas. When Jesus has appeared to the other disciples and Thomas isn't with them, He wants that experience. Unless I see the nail holes and put my hand in his side, I won't believe. But then he gets that experience. This seems to be the same type of situation. I need to know more, Jesus. I need to know more. I need to experience this more. We have Philip. Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus tells him, you know me and the Father and I are one. You know the Father. How can you say this? 
Well, think about Philip's history. Philip was one of the first disciples to encounter Jesus at the beginning of John's gospel. And after he spends some time with him, he goes off and he finds Nathaniel. He wants to bring him to have, let him have the experience, to gain the insight, to gain the experience. And there's another time we hear about as well when Philip does something similar. Individuals want to meet Jesus and Philip brings them. It seems that he's sticking right in there with his normal personality of, Lord, we, I want to experience this. Help us to experience it. Now, when Jesus responds to both of these guys, as well as his response to Peter, and I imagine probably having the same type of situation with all of the disciples, even if we don't hear about it, he's not condemning them. He's not coming down on them. He's meeting them where they are. He's meeting them in the midst of their lives, in the midst of their personalities, in the midst of who they are. That is where Jesus finds them and gives them assurances of the promise that even though he's physically departing, that's not the end. And it all starts today, even though it's a larger story outside this, but it starts, do not let your hearts be troubled. Easy for you to say, Jesus. I've been finding myself thinking about that quite a bit this past week because we find ourselves in the midst of difficult times. We are finding ourselves in the midst of difficult experiences, experiences and situation and and events that we cannot make heads or tails of. It's almost impossible for us to know what to think these days. We hear this report and we hear this report and we hear this report and we hear this report. None of them really seem to line up and we don't know who to believe. We find ourselves troubled because we can't be with the people that we care about. I've heard of grandparents who can't be with their grandkids or family members who can't see their siblings or their cousins or we can't be with our friends and we can't be together in the way that we want to be. We can't hug one another like we hope to. We can't be in contact. We have to stay isolated and we don't know how long this is going to take. We don't know when we as a community of faith here at the church will be able to come back together. We have suspicions, but we don't know, and we don't yet know what that's going to look like. We have inklings that the normal that we used to be aware of or that that we used to experience is not going to be what things are going to be in the future, and that's troublesome. All of these things, on top of the regular day-to-day stuff that happens that's troublesome as well, leaves us all perhaps scratching our head and troubled in our hearts. And then Jesus comes along and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I don't think Jesus is telling us there's nothing to worry about. I think Jesus knows that life's messy. And all of this is just one more really big, really on-the-nose example of that one that makes this passage really jump out at us today. But the promise that we find in his reaction, in his words back to the disciples, his ongoing promise throughout the course of this farewell discourse, this ongoing promise that this is not the end and you will not be left alone, that remains. He meets us where we are. He does not condemn us, but he promises us that we already know that which we need to know. We already know that who we need to know and that through him, we see the Father. Well, what's that mean for us now in the midst of these troubling times and we don't have Jesus physically here for us? Well, we remember that we are the body of Christ. 
we remember that we are called to shine the light of Jesus in the world, just like this light behind me that's always shining. I had a conversation again this week about that light, that candle, that we keep that going as a reminder for us that even in dark times, the light is still shining and we are called to reflect it for one another. Knowing in the next moment, we might need someone to reflect it back to us because our hearts are troubled. This is what we are called to do for one another, to be the presence of God shining in dark places. Not because we ourselves are the light, but because we reflect the one who is. May we cling to that, that promise. May we cling to that hope, even in the midst of trouble sometimes, knowing that the one who came into this world, who took on flesh and dwelt among us, continues to unite us through his spirit. Amen.